Walawani, welcome. My name's Ian Campbell from Palliative Care Australia in Canberra on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples. Welcome to Thursdays at 3, our regular series of conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Today, we continue an earlier conversation with our friends at LDAC, End of Life Directions for Aged Care. The Aged Care Royal Commission, and indeed the current reform agenda of the federal government, makes it really clear that older Australians need and deserve better end of life experiences. When we last spoke to LDAC, we heard about the role that aged care providers need to play and the tools and support that LDAC offers. We take that further today, looking at some of the technology available to support this important work. And we look at the role that primary health care can play in the delivery of palliative care and end of life care. Shaping that conversation with us today, we're joined by Naomi Sheridan, a policy analyst at the Australian Healthcare and Hospitals Association. Thanks for your time today, Naomi. Thanks, Ian. Good to be here. And Dr. Prevanka uh, Vandersman, a research fellow with LDAC and at the Research Centre for Palliative Care, Death and Dying at Flinders University. Thank you so much for being here, Prevanka. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure to be here, Ian. Naomi, let's start with you. Um, primary health was such a focus of the recent federal budget, but it's a term that perhaps many people are unfamiliar with. Who are we talking about when we talk about primary health care? Yeah, so primary care is, um, I guess, conceptualised as your first point of contact with the healthcare system. Um, so what comes to mind is general practice as the first point, um, but you've also got a lot of allied health, community healthcare involved in that as well. What part do primary healthcare providers play when we talk about palliative care and aged care services? What's the potential that primary health can play in this space? Yeah, so they're often on the ground delivering care to people in the community um, throughout their life. Um, so they have a really important role because they often have established relationships um, with people and with patients and consumers um, and can really understand patient history. Um, they have trust often with their, with their existing patients and can help with that generalised navigator role as well. Um, so the benefits of, of palliative care um, in primary care is like things like continuity of care. So making sure someone's across um, where a patient is at and what their journey has been um, into, in addition to things like, because they are in, in based in community and on the ground, um, you get that improved chance of, of dying at home um, and reduced need to travel and that kind of thing, which can be very important. Um, for families and patients at end of life. It's a classic uh, cradle to grave sort of, of, of care, I guess. How comfortable are primary healthcare professionals in, in delivering palliative care, in, in delivering end of life care? It's, it's, it's often an overwhelming and, and daunting subject matter for our community, for our society, full stop. What about the health professionals who work in this space? How capable or, or how well equipped are they to do this work? There are some very capable and well-equipped um, health professionals in the community, but it is varied. Um, so it really comes down to a lot of people who have experience or have actually treated someone at end of life 
um, frequently have built those skills and, and, and knowledge and understanding to deliver that high quality palliative care. Um, but there's some people who don't encounter that very frequently. Um, so their confidence might be a bit lower. Um, and it also varies depending on where they are. So um, in re regional rural areas, it might not be um, as strong in terms of skills and experience as it would be in metro areas. Um, there's also some practitioners who have an interest in end of life in palliative care. And so you can you can tell that they're really um, invested and they've done the training and, and read everything that they can and engaged with it. Um, but we do have a challenge in getting more people and, and professionals interested um, and engaged, not just when they need to be, but all the time. So it's kind of something mm -hmm. that they can confidently and capably go into um, when they need to. And that's where LDAC steps in really beautifully to support people with their education and, and, and building that awareness and, and building those skills. When we spoke to Deb Parker from LDAC previously, we heard about the aged care toolkit, the dementia toolkit, and you've been involved in developing the, the primary health care toolkit to, to support this sort of education that we're talking about. Tell us about yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, the toolkit, it's it's like the other toolkits with LDAC, it's evidence-based. Um, it's been developed um, with quite a rigorous process, um, at, developed on the um, basis of the LDAC care model. I'm not sure if Deb spoke about that, but um, it really does cover all the stages of, of, of palliative care and end of life um, that someone should be thinking about. Um, and it's supplemented with clinical tools and resources, useful information, um, things that uh, primary care needs to be involved with, like quality improvement and ongoing training and education. So we have lots of links throughout that about how that can be done, including things like um, practice incentive programs and other government initiatives that they might be able to draw on if they want to undertake anything like that. Um, and we also, so besides clinical tools, and so we've got a team section that kind of practice managers and nurses might find quite valuable as well. Um, and then thirdly, there's more of a, I guess, a system component to the toolkit, which is our health pathways section. Um, and that's tailored not just to GPs and nurses and, and health professionals, but also to primary health networks or anyone involved in developing health pathways um, mm -hmm. within the primary care sector. You mentioned those health pathways. That's that's part of the LDAC support to to increase the awareness and increase the skills in the, in the primary health community. Yeah, that's right. And it, we're actually very pleased that we now see that every primary health network region across Australia has a health pathways um, platform or site. Um, so I don't know if you wanted me to. Do you want me to give? Do people have an understanding of health pathways, or would that be useful to? No, please. Yeah, tell us more. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's it's a web based information platform. Um, it's developed, so it, it's broken down by I guess it can be condition specific. So you could have one on on heart failure, a particular section of the Health Pathways website, or it could be stuff like um, grief and bereavement support. And so it's broken down by topic. But what makes Health Pathways different to say just Googling something is that it's been localized and tailored to your region by okay. clinical, by a kind nice. of a clinical team. Um, so practitioners and, and, and GPs can look at the Health Pathway sites on a particular topic and get really specific local information for their region, which is quite, quite fantastic. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, Naomi, I guess we're, we're talking to health professionals who are working in their community. This stuff, these toolkits, these resources can be done anywhere, anytime, wherever people are. Absolutely. So it's, it's all web-based um, and it's always, we constantly keep it updated and refreshed so they can be confident that the information that they're gaining is, is clinically rigorous and also um, up to date. Um, and it's, yeah, it's constantly accessible. So at any time that someone needs to, to review or updates or just gain a bit more confidence in what they're doing, they can access the LDAC toolkits um, and just see also through LDAC what health pathways sites they can access in addition. Priyanka, let's bring you into this conversation. Uh, technology playing a, a more and more important role in our lives and, and in our work, but especially so for these people. As I say, uh, primary care is, is on the ground in community and technology is supporting their education and, and the uptake of these skills. Tell us a bit more about the technology side of things. Um, thank you, Ian. I think technology um, is permeating across all aspects of caregiving. Um, and I think uh, in the context of palliative care, it's very, very relevant in that uh, palliative care is increasingly provided across different settings and locations and what and people are living longer. And also what that means is we end of life, end of life living and caregiving is is occurring across a longer period and across various settings. And we really need to be able to provide care that is in line with the choices of the consumer that are also evolving across different periods. And what technology does really is it can very much empower the people who are involved in care provision it can also help support the processes involved in care provision, as well as services um, to be able to provide quality care. And that comes in different shapes and forms. So it could be things such as using technology to access um, evidence. It could be about using technology to access point of care information that could be really quick um, and be very much supportive of best practice. It could also be about using technology to communicate better. It could be about technology to share documentation um, across different care settings. So it would be uh, it would be an oversight to say that technology does not have a role to play in palliative care space. In fact, it's already there. Um, and I think what we need to be doing is thinking about the ways to really optimize uh, the, the, the prowess of technology and really helping it, you know, really relying on it or you know, using it to help us provide good quality care to, to our um, older population. Technology just has a way of creeping in, doesn't it? And, and all of a oh, sudden absolutely. it's here and we're yeah. using it. Yeah, yeah. Um, give us some examples, Priyanka, of, of the sort of technology that, that people can be using. Um, so talking about the kind of technology, I think what I want to talk about is um, not just the technology in terms of tools and products that we have at LDAC. I think the real question is, what are our challenges? What are the issues that we are focusing uh, or that we're dealing with? And mm -hmm. how can technology come and rescue us from those situations or at least <laughs> assist us in the process? So one of the challenge, and I think the way I like to look at it is, is a bit conceptually where it's about saying, OK, what are the kind of challenges, let's say, at different slices? and different layers of working. Let's think about workforce. So for example, how do we provide you know, timely access to resource and evidence to um, our um, you know, workers in aged care who are providing fantastic care, but we support them throughout that process. So for example, we've got the LDAC Home Care app, which is all about supporting care workers who are working in the home care space to provide quality um, palliative and end-of-life care to their older uh, residents and clients. And similarly, it's also about saying, okay, this workforce is very heavily exposed in providing intimate care to people who are vulnerable, who are declining, dying. 
how do we look after our workforce? And we've got things such as the, you know, the ILDAC self-care uh, room. We've got resources that have come out of the self-care room where that, that could be really supportive in terms of self-care. So that's at the workforce level. Then we need to think about the challenges that we have at, um, at a service level. So, you know, things such as how do we improve care processes and, you know, how do we use digital tools to support care processes? So, for example, the digital um, after-death audit is something that's really fantastic, which forms part of some of our toolkits, but also it's about using those digital, digitally enhanced, uh, tech, you know, sort of uh, um, items or tools that can enhance practice. Um, it's also about saying, for example, the digital dashboard, which is really about saying, how do we optimize the capacity of data that's already collected in the aged care systems? So it can present real-time summaries to clinicians in the context of palliative care planning and provisioning. And like what Naomi was saying, it's about going back to the elder care model, which is an evidence-based model for comprehensive palliative care planning and provisioning embedding that within your clinical system to enhance its powers. And then I think the next layer is around governance. It's around the, um, it's around, you know, how do we bring in things such as, you know, easy evidence access, policy access, you know, policy documents access, so that it could A, enable managers and clinical leaders to be informed, but also bring that in to build in their own service level processes to improve practices. So I think there are, technology can support at multiple layers of, practice in the aged care space. Mm -hmm. This is all about better care and looking after patients and families better. What sort of feedback have you had? What sort of impact? What makes you smile out of this work? Um, I think what makes me smile is, look, I'm a palliative care nurse at heart. So what makes me smile is when I engage with clinicians, with care providers, when I do, you know, all sorts of things like interviews and chats and presentations, it's when they come back to me and they say things such as your home care app, my care workers who work in the site, they love it. I have had I have had instances where I have sort of talked about the app and I have had care workers who have said, oh, I, I already use that. That is fantastic. It makes my life easy. I think that's what makes me smile. The other thing is the self-care room. The number of times people have said that really made me good, like especially clinical leaders, nursing leaders in home care and residential aged care space. The number of times nurse, nurse leaders have told me, I looked at that and that really made me switch my thinking and go, hang on, my nurses. I need to make sure my nurses are okay. They're at, the, they're at the front line of providing this care. So I initiated service level processes. I initiated conversations. I started chats. I, we developed self-care packs for our staff. So I think we are bringing in change at the caregiving, care providing level using technology. And that really makes my heart full. How about you, Naomi? What sort of impact, what sort of feedback are you, you seeing out of this work? When I, um, I guess the feedback I get and what makes me feel, I guess, proud of, of what we've done with LDAC is just there's such a high regard for the tools and the information that's in the toolkit. And there's a clinicians, when they go in it, they know that they can trust what's in there. And I've heard that um, that feedback that it's just they they have, I guess, they have faith and, and, and trust that what they're reading yeah. is going to help them um, and that it's at a high standard. So that makes me feel proud. Priyanka, what would you say to someone who says, I don't have time for this? These are these are busy people. They they carry a lot in their head and in their heart. What would you say to people who perhaps say, I don't have time for this? Not another app, not more technology, please. What would you say to those sort of concerns? 
I think you touched on a really important thing there, Ian, because this is around, you know, acknowledging that the sector is very overworked. They do a fantastic job, but it's taxing, it's time taking, and they are very clearly busy. And I think this is our, this is, I think our, the responsibility falls on us um, as projects, as developers, as researchers to really uh, raise that awareness around the fact that what is this technology for? And the aim of this technology is exactly to address that problem of time poorness. It's really about making your life easy to, uh, and it's about really telling them that this is, because look, the, the workforce is there doing what they do because they're passionate about it. You know, they're there because they care. Um, and I think it's really about bringing it down to, you know, the, the ultimate end game of these technologies is really help you provide the good quality care to your to your client or your resident. That's it's at the heart of technology. It's not technology for the sake of looking fancy or being modernized. I think it's about really, really relaying that message around um, the value, but also about saying it is exactly going to help you address the problem that you're already uh, encountering, which is time poorness. But also, I think there's another thing that we need to really talk about which is that, and like Naomi touched on, which is around the credibility and about where it comes from. The technology products that we develop come from a very rigorous method of development and we build products that involve the end user. So for example, the home care app, we built it with, um, it's not just consultation with care workers that help build this product. We did multiple round of interviews with care workers and care worker managers and home care sector experts to do needs assessment. Then we went on to development. We had reference user group with care workers saying, these are the things that have come out of interviews. This is how it looks like. What do you think? Is, is Does it make sense? Is it going to add value? Then we went to the build stage. We did the same thing. So it's not just about we had you know five care workers look at it and tick it. It's based on the evidence from the systematic reviews, multiple systematic reviews that we did. And then it came from the from a lot of consultation and co-design and development. So I think there is a real need to also relay that information that the passion is there, the purpose is to really help you and help you address the whole issue of time poorness and time challenge, but also the fact that it's actually not, it doesn't come from this high university or a, a project that's far removed. It comes from the voices of people like yourselves. Mm -hmm. And Naomi, perhaps a, a closing thought from you. One of the things that I appreciate about palliative care is that it not only, uh, I guess, is influences my professional life, but also my my private life as well. There's, I, I imagine there's there's stuff in the toolkit that that primary healthcare professionals are learning for their work, but can can also influence their their private life, their personal life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone is going to have a a, a relative or a close. Um, family member or friend or, or loved one who is going to die and and the, that is really a reality of life and having I think the biggest lesson that I've had and that the sector is kind of coming to grips with is is the need to have those conversations early and mm -hmm. to really feel comfortable and and um, confident in raising issues of death and dying and I think the toolkit has the like it, it really helps to bring those um, those ideas out and and there's resources and tools to help have those conversations um, and so I think that's something that I mean I've I've actually used in my own life when I've had uh, relatives who have who have been quite ill and and it is difficult and it is challenging and I felt that that stifling like mm -hmm. anxiety about bringing up a certain yeah. topic you wouldn't be welcome but it is it is super important and I think everyone 
needs to recognize that and, and know that and feel comfortable having that. So that's a real kind of value of not just the LDAP project. I know there's a, there's a lot of projects who are currently trying to make that easier for people in the yes. community. Thank you so much for sharing your work and wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Naomi Sheridan and Dr Priyanka Vandersman, part of the LDAC Brains Trust, empowering better end-of-life care for older Australians. You can explore the LDAC website to explore the, the tools and resources we've been talking about today and, and so much more. And it's all free. It's all there for you to access now. And thank you to you for tuning in to Thursdays at 3 via PCA Socials or, or Spotify and engaging in matters of life and death. You'll find advice, tools and support at the Palliative Care Australia website where you can also make a donation to support our work. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again next Thursday. Ta-da. Mm -hmm.